Hello and welcome to another episode of the In Between Podcast. My name is Darby and I'm here with my friends Mike. Hey. And Bethany. Hello. We're here today to chat about Lent and uh, we're excited to talk about it. Uh, It's a 40-day season that leads up to Easter and it's just a really rich time. And even preparing for this podcast has been really fun Mm -hmm. because there's so much to think about regarding Lent. And for some of us, it's going to be a new practice. And for some of us, it'll be really familiar. But um, it's rich regardless. So, um, yeah, we're just ready to dig in. So, um, Mike, will you talk about just some of the big themes of Lent to be aware of at the beginning? Yeah, one of the one of the themes that I probably resonate with the most and it's probably the newest theme that I've been made aware of, is is from uh, Aaron Damiani. He's a pastor in Chicago, and he wrote this book called The Good of Giving Up, Discovering the Freedom of Lent. I highly recommend it. Yes, we highly, highly recommend it. It's a great yeah. book. The, really helpful. The link yep. will be in the, the show notes here. Uh, this is this is what he says. He says, the, the word Lent derives from the old Saxon word for spring, and Christians of Eastern traditions love to refer to the bright sadness that marks every Christian who will endure the darkness mm. leading up to Easter. In the Lenten spring, winter is giving way to summer, life and sunrise and a great feast are ahead. Each day's light is longer than the last. Lent, then, is a profound picture of the Christian journey. It stands between our deliverance and our home. It is a time of faith and longing, hope and expectation. So we kind of want to use the phrase bright sadness as a guiding principle for our thoughts about Lent. Um, It's both. And in order to really prepare our souls for Easter, we have to engage the sadness. But because we believe in Christ and belong to him, even our sadness Hmm. has hope in it and has joy mixed in it. So that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, that as Christians, we are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So mm. even in our sadness, there's rejoicing, there's brightness. We, ha- we have a hope that kind of transcends any sorrow and sadness that we experience in right. life. And even in our repentance, even in our reckoning with our own sin and our mm. struggles, we are grounded in hope and confidence that yep. the Holy Spirit mm. is at work in all of it, which is sometimes really hard to imagine. Yeah, mm-hmm. But yeah. it is true. Mm-hmm. And um, Yeah, we're, I was just having a conversation with my son today because he, he made a mistake and it grieved him, and uh, he's a lot like me, where he carries his grief heavy. And I said, "Hey, this this is nothing to be like down about. Like, rejoice because there's hope and there's forgiveness, and mom and dad aren't mad at you, and like mm-hmm. this doesn't have to weigh heavy on you. And mm-hmm. there's 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 something in us that, man, sin weighs us down, but the hope of Christ gives us something to spring back to, spring back on." Um, get back in the game, if you will. And it's a, it's a hard lesson. It's a hard thing to learn. It's a hard thing to practice. So just the nuts and bolts of Lent. Um, Lent is a 40-day period, like I said. Except on Sundays, we take a break from Lent because we have a feast day. So it's considered, um, the 40 days of Lent are considered fast days. And that doesn't mean that you fast food for 40 days, although some some, do. Some do. Um, 
but on Sundays, we lay aside the fasting and we enjoy a little mini Easter. So Sunday should be uh, a touch point of celebration for us mm. as we're in an otherwise um, repentant season. Mm. Uh, so 40 days minus Sundays. Um, the color during this period is pur- purple, which signifies royalty, which signifies... Um, mourning. Mourning, yeah. right. So uh, the overall orientation is sort of inward and it's sort of serious, punctuated by um, bursts of joy and um, affirmation that the resurrection is coming. Mm. And there are three themes that we interact with typically in Lent, prayer, fasting, and generosity. And we're going to unpack those a little more in a few minutes. But um, do you guys have initial experiences or thoughts from your own past Mm. regarding these Mm. practices during Lent? The first thing that comes to mind is I remember in elementary school, the hot lunch on Fridays during Lent was always this gross fish sandwich because (laughs) all of the Catholic kids couldn't have meat on Fridays. And that was like the first thing, that was the first time that I ever remember like coming into contact with the idea of giving something up for religious reasons. As I grew up and I started to, I would say, kind of practice Lent um, a little bit more, probably within the last 10 years or so, the first couple of years I would give up something food related and uh, not really with any spiritual intention behind it. It was mostly just vain, like, oh, maybe I'll shed a few pounds if I give up sweets. <laughs> um, just, yeah, just being honest. Yeah, I think that's really common um, since fasting is kind of one of the big ways culturally that people acknowledge Lent. I mean, in mm-hmm. Omaha, people go to fish fries. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Fish fries are a big deal in your town, but they are a big deal in our town. People, they're kind of amazing. They're They're really fun. Yeah. But but like you're saying about avoiding meat on Fridays, like that's kind of a widely known um, thing about Lent. And then fasting is a really big part of it. And oftentimes, uh, I would just say, like, let's have some real talk here that like anytime fasting is on the table, it's really complicated, mm-hmm. especially I don't know if men experience it as in the complicated ways that women do, but like I like have really wrestled with how do I separate uh, fasting because I am like trying to get off sugar mm. versus fasting because I'm trying to cultivate a deeper devotion to the Lord. Mm. And it's very, as our culture has a lot of like messy food things happening at all times. Mm. Um, fasting is part of that for sure for me. So mm-hmm. I guess I would just encourage people that as they're thinking through their fasting practice, if that is something that you feel called to do, um, first of all, if you have any history with disordered eating or an eating disorder, um, it's maybe not the right practice for you or it may not be the right time for you. Um, this is not a question probably to answer alone. It's probably a question to answer if you have community around you who can help you discern that, if you have someone who's helping your healing process to engage them as well and just ask them like, Hey, will you help me think through if this is a good, if this is going to do my soul good, or if this is going to trigger just some old patterns that were destructive. So, Mm -hmm. and then for people who maybe aren't quite in that category, but are more like "Uh, my pants feel a little tight and I just would like to give up gluten or whatever. 
just don't do it that way. No, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. You, you not... pick something else. <laughs> do not fast for that reason. And, uh, I, you know, again, I guess I would go back to the question of community and helping discern. Right. These are complex issues. Yeah. So find your trusted friend, somebody who's on the same page with you. Yeah. And, and like, untangle the question of, mm-hmm. like, how am I fasting? What am I fasting for? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just our food culture adds a whole new layer of work in this area mm. that perhaps early Christian, well, certainly early Christians did not yeah. reckon with in the same yeah. way. They probably had their own things, but not this. So um, I'm going to fast eating meat that was sacrificed to idols. <laughs> See, go ahead. Yeah. That's not going to yeah. trigger anybody right yeah. now. Yeah, not now. <laughs> no, not now. That's not I'm sure there was issue. somebody in some home church back in the first century church that were like, you can't do that. We're already doing that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, we don't want to use fasting as a road to orthorexia or, um, right. you know, it's just it's just a whole ball of wax. Don't do it by yourself. Don't attempt it. If you feel like your motives around food are mixed, pray that the Lord would just lead you through that. Pray that, mm-hmm. pray for clarity. His spirit is for you and with you. And he he wants to draw you nearer to himself Mm. And so he will guide you and help you Mm. in the right way to do that for you. Mm. That's not going to um, trip you up or Mm. cause trouble. Mm. Yeah, I think the inviting your friends, inviting your community into those conversations, no matter what you're fasting, is really helpful. Because if you're giving up coffee and Mm -hmm. your friends keep inviting you to go get coffee, like that's not going to be helpful to you. They need to know why you're in such a bad mood. Exactly. (laughs) Why you have such a bad headache. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, invite invite those people into those conversations. Um, these spiritual disciplines, these practices that we're talking about throughout the, all these episodes, are never intended to be done alone. Um, invite invite friends, invite your pastors in, into these conversations. Yes, and pray pray for the yeah. Lord to guide you and show you the right yeah. way. Yeah, He'll, if you pray and sit quietly and wait, mm-hmm. something will come to your mind that you need to take a break from that He wants to free you from. Uh, so that he can just interact with you in a sweeter, more connected way. I think one of the things that um, sticks out to me as I've practiced Lent in the in the past, over the past eight, nine years, is um, my uh, propensity to fail. Because there are times where I just, I lose the motivation to do the fast um, whatever it may be, and or I eat that meal or drink that cup of coffee or I binge on social media, totally forgetting that I gave up social media or whatever it may be. And um, because I I take these things seriously, it, it feels like a spiritual failure, like I've failed mm. God. And uh, that's not what the Lord wants is for us to feel that that failure. Um, he wants us to experience His grace in the midst of our failures, and so um, I'm constantly struggling and and, and fighting uh, for a, a deeper experience of God's grace when I do fail. Not just during the four days of Lent, but really the rest of the year too. Um, and I think Lent provides a a short season of just allowing yourself that grace to experience. God's nearness in those failures, to experience calling out to him in those failures, repentance if it's a sin issue, um, an utter dependence on the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's what the season is about. Mm -hmm. And when I'm getting all caught up in my failures and like, oh, geez, I didn't do it the right way, it's really, I'm I'm 
turning the focus back on me. True. Mm. Right, and yeah. it's very self-serving. Like I'm going to do a diet for Lent. It's it's a self-serving thing. Um, and so trying to redirect my focus, my heart's focus, my my mental, my you know, my mind's focus on the Lord in those moments rather than I'm such a horrible person. Well, yes. it was me. Right, exactly. So we have bright sadness as a guiding principle. We mm. have um, laying something down and taking something up mm-hmm. as a principle. And two practices that uh, are kind of taking up are practices, practices of prayer and practices of generosity. Mm. Um, the old-fashioned word would be almsgiving. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what prayer looks like during Lent. You've already kind of begun us on that conversation, yeah. Mike. Confession, repentance, yeah. and expressing dependence on yeah. the Lord. Yeah, and I think this starts out of uh, how you kick the Lenten season off with Ash Wednesday. It's essentially a prayer service, uh, readying your heart, readying your soul for a season of repentance and, and confession and repentance. And so um, I think um, for me, it's less about, hey, what's my prayer list that I'm bringing to the Lord every day? Um, when I'm journaling, what am I, you know, what things am I bringing before the Lord? Um, but the prayer focus is confessing my own sin and confessing communal sins that that um, we may see in our church or in our society, uh, maybe in your family's history. Um, just really, you know, asking the Lord to reveal those things and, and confess them, um, and and then seek repentance, seek change. And that comes through prayer. That's repentance is a gift from God, and so we can't just say we're going to change and do it. Mm-hmm. We we need the Lord's help um, to to turn away from our sins and to turn to Him, and and so that's that's just a lot of prayer. Mm-hmm. It's a dis, it's it's the act of praying, and it's also a prayerful disposition, um, a humble disposition right. um, before the Lord. Bethany, I wonder if you have any thoughts about this. Um, it, sometimes I will come to repentance sort of non-specifically and sort of like, okay, well, I know, I know there's problems here. <laughs> I know I have sin here to repent of. How do you move from sort of a general, like, I know I'm supposed to be repenting into I see my specific things that the Lord has shown me to repent of? Mm-hmm. Do you have thoughts on that? How how do you get what I'm like? Am I I don't know if I'm making sense. Sometimes in like in the confession at church, for example, on a Sunday morning, some weeks I really connect with it and I really have like specific concrete things. Like I will have just been super rude to my husband or my kids, <laughs> and I'll just really know right away like I need to deal with this. But then there are other times when I'm not quite sure mm. where I fit or what what my issues are in a certain category. Uh huh. What would you say? What would you say? Help me. <laughs> Help me think about it. I mean, how do you know your own sin? I guess is my question. Right. Well, you could ask somebody. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> ask Husband, somebody else. Show me how I <laughs> tell me how I sin. No, I mean, I guess I'm thinking I, I'm asking the Lord that if there's any blindness towards my sin to reveal it to mm-hmm. me. And that's kind of a scary thing to do because I mean, nobody likes to sit and think about how terrible and awful they are but at the same time like in order to to experience forgiveness and grace and and healing from that like you need to know so yeah i think for me it's probably just 
asking the Lord to like really show, like just show me where areas of my life where I sin and don't let it be like some subtle thing. Like help me not to miss it. Yeah. Don't let me miss it because mm, that's risky, I want to, I want to I think sometimes too, we, we see sin as specific actions, which mm-hmm. is true. Yeah. But sometimes sin is just a mistrust of God. And yeah, how, totally. how, how do I, how does that play out in my life? Yeah. Mistrusting the Lord. I think seeing, seeing categories of mistrust and, um, not believing the promises of God mm-hmm. can kind of create some new categories for understanding what sin is and how am I not trusting the Lord and, and my relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I'm also really interested then in the idea that when we are fasting from something that frees up space for us to mm. be generous. Mm. Um, my understanding is that historically people would take the food that they didn't eat at a certain meal and they would give it to a person who needed a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and our food system doesn't quite work that way, the same way, although it could in some cases. Anyway, I'm just, I'm curious as we've kind of talked about prayer and we talked about fasting, what does a practice of generosity look like during Lent? What about the idea that if, if our fast is a fast of technology, mm-hmm. for example, mm. the thing that we can be generous with is our attention and our presence. And I don't want, I'm not trying to give people an out of saying like, you don't have to be financially generous because the Lord loves financial generosity. But I'm thinking like, if we're talking about the specific relationship between I fast from this, this thing Mm -hmm. to free up more over here, Mm -hmm. for me, it would probably look like I'm laying down my phone Mm -hmm. and I'm coming through with, generous eye contact mm. and more yeah. communication mm. and just more attention and presence. Mm-hmm. And then I still want to be aware of people in financial need around me and move toward them mm. as a family. I want my, my kids to be aware of that, my husband to be aware of that, and that we would do that as a team. That's a huge piece of it. Yeah. And I don't, I do not want to spiritualize other kinds of generosity at the expense of mm. giving from our physical, our material goods. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I just think like we can expand this category of generosity beyond yeah. just I, you know, I have a couple bucks ready to go when someone is standing at the corner asking for money, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just to think in terms of where am I stingy, mm. where I can be more generous. Yeah, that could play out a lot of different ways <laughs> in our family relationships and in our friendships. Yeah, I'm very stingy in a lot of ways yeah. with my family. I yeah. think. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm very oriented to my own comfort. I'm very oriented toward like, oh my gosh, I've been talking all day. I just can't talk anymore. I need to get away from you people. I'm going to go escape to the kitchen. I mean, it's weird to think about washing dishes as an escape, but I'm a homeschool mom and I just talk and listen Mm. all day long. Mm -hmm. And I always think of that as like a limited commodity, but really, really, where could I lean into generosity more? Even Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just a thought. That's something maybe that the Lord's doing in me. Yeah, I think practically, I wonder, like, if you're giving up coffee or some sort of, like, commodity like that, take take that cash, put it in a jar, and then give it away at the mm-hmm. end of, give, you know, give it to to an organization or, um, and at the end of the day, it's not, it's not going to be that, that much money, but it's the act of, I'm not taking that, I'm not consuming that, I'm actually going to give something. Mm-hmm. 
the the other thing I think is being generous with your words. Mm. So you talking you're talking about like physical presence, eye contact, right. having conversations. Um I think that the practice of writing a letter is yeah. is really uh meaningful. Um causes you to slow down, causes you to think about what you're going to say and receiving that is really fun too. And so I'm I can think about people that that would benefit from an encouraging word or just a thoughtful like, hey, I was thinking of you. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going on in my life. Yep. I wanted to write you this letter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I bet that people listening to this podcast will have a lot of really cool ideas for how to lay something down and pick something up. Mm-hmm. So if send you've got us your ideas. Yeah, send us your ideas. If you've got something percolating or you have a long time practice with your family that you do things a certain way, we would love to know about that because mm-hmm. these are really important ideas and things we can experiment with and lean into in different ways depending on the needs of the year it's just a really fruitful question Mm -hmm. i think so we're just curious what you guys might say about it so we've talked a lot about things we can do and I think it would be important to think through some of the inner workings of this I mean these things are all connected to each other we want to do this with a posture of really listening to the Holy Spirit and inviting him to work in us mm-hmm. um, one guide that we really love and appreciate is Robert Weber and his book Ancient Future Time and I know Bethany there was a quote here that kind of speaks to all of these things and I would love for you to share it mm-hmm. yep so he's talking about how many Christians live as though the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ never happened, that our lives become so busy and kind of chaotic that, and we're so consumed with other things going on that we, we often forget and how Lent um, is just a good season to kind of bring us back. And he says this, um, he says, Lent is the season that calls us back to God back to basics, back to the spiritual realities of life. It calls on us to put to death the sin and the indifference we have in our hearts toward God and our fellow persons. And it beckons us to enter once again into the joy of the Lord, the joy of a new life born out of a death to the old life. And so, I don't know, I think that's just really beautiful, like, um, you know, the idea that we're consumed with all these other things. And basically, uh, elsewhere in this book, Weber says um, the primary spiritual journey of Lent is a time to travel the road with Jesus toward his death um, and his death that ultimately, you know, brings new life mm-hmm. for us. And I just think that that's a really beautiful picture. Yeah, it goes back to the hope piece that we're talking about earlier mm-hmm. in the episode of just there's a there is something that's that we're going towards that's in right. this journey. Yeah. It's not just death. It doesn't just stop at death. But three days later, Christ resurrected. And so, but to get there, we have to travel the journey of the cross, mm-hmm. um, the journey of, of Jesus' death. And that's that, that bright sadness paradox that we're carrying around. It all comes back to the bright sadness. I just yeah. think it's so cool to think about it as a, as, a season that's worth preparing for. Yeah. Um, Easter is wonderful. If you wake up on Easter morning, you've done no preparation, you go to a service and it would yeah. be wonderful. Yeah. But if you've had 40 days of preparation 
Even if not every single day, this was like your number one focus. Mm. Just the orientation of preparing yourself. I just think it multiplies the Mm -hmm. meaning Mm -hmm. so much. And it enhances it and makes it rich in ways that um, you just can't get to if you go straight into Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I mean... We're going to talk in our next episode about Holy Week. We want to talk about Good Friday. These are also really concrete opportunities to lock into the life of Jesus mm-hmm. in the days before his death. Mm-hmm. So like like Weber said, we're on the road with Jesus throughout Lent. We have practices that we engage. We have inclination in our prayer life toward repentance. And the whole aim is cultivating the field in our soul so that we are really ready yeah. for, for the resurrection. We are ready to reckon with the fact that Jesus came in the flesh. He reckoned with sin for us. And he's alive. He's reigning. And he's a person in the world doing mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. he will come back to bring all things to completion within himself. Mm. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Like, that's an incredible hope. And we can, we can be... We can, Deal with the dust, <laughs> the huh. dust of Ash Wednesday and the dust of Lent. We can deal with those things without being crushed by them mm-hmm. because our hope is secure. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Isn't God gracious? Isn't so the gracious. word good? Yeah. He knows. He knows that he made our souls to need cycles, cycles of stillness, cycles of hope. He, he leads us through these things. It's, it's wonderful and I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's beauteous. So let's get really specific about how to lead kids through Lent. Um, I want to come back to Damiani's book, The Good of Giving Up. He has a wonderful chapter on um, kind of taking your kids through Lent in an age-appropriate way. One of my favorite things that he says is on page 153 about... Um, bringing your kids through some questions of the catechism. Uh, The New City Catechism is um, one resource that he suggests to help kids understand what's going on. So I just want to share really quickly these three questions, these three catechism questions that we can um, engage with our kids. It's so cool. I love it. So the first question is, what is the gospel? And the answer is, the gospel is the good news of God loving and saving lost mankind through the ministry and word and deed of his son, Jesus Christ. And then there are several scripture references that you could use to unpack all of that. Next question, why did Jesus suffer? Jesus suffered for our sins so we could have peace with God, as prophesied in the Old Testament, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. That's from Isaiah 53, another scripture that we can engage, read together, and talk about what it means. Third question, what does it mean for you to repent? And this is not just good for kids. This is great for (laughs) parents, too. To repent means that I have a change of heart, turning from sinfully serving myself to serving God as I follow Jesus Christ. I need God's help to make this change. Mm. And the scripture here is from Acts chapter 2. So Damiani has a whole bunch of really cool, tangible ideas, but I was especially captured by his use of the catechism questions to kind of guide our thinking as we're working with our kids. So I would just say, grab the book, grab the chapter. There's a whole bunch in there to kind of help you make plans about what you want to do with your kids. So Darby, you just mentioned the good of giving up. 
Discovering the Freedom of Lent. Um, there's also another resource put out by our friends at Providence Church in Austin, Texas. Yay, Providence! Called uh, Journey to the Cross. It's a it's a daily devotional walking through various themes of Lent. Um, so there's six weeks in Lent. There's six themes. Uh, there's a little devotional to read and some scriptures to read and, and some prayers mixed in there. Really good uh, daily uh, resource to walk through. It's one of my favorites. I have a mm-hmm. huge yeah. mountain of Lent books at my house. That one is really good. Like, really good. Yeah, the the, the written devotional parts are re- very pastoral. Like, yeah. they get straight to the heart um, and kind of help engage those Lenten themes um, without... Um, whole lot of effort you know it's just kind of laid out for you and you don't have to make things up or go yeah, digging not, and searching yeah it's the meaning is clear but it's like substantial right it's really good yeah and speaking of a mountain of lenten books um you know if you search your bookstore or amazon there are many many excellent reading guides out there um books of collections of bonhoeffer or c.s mm. lewis or madeline Langle. some of those are some of my favorites um yeah there's just a ton of stuff yeah but and, our favorites are yeah. Damiani's The Good yeah. of Giving Up, which is not really a book of readings or anything. It's more like a guide it's, to the whole season, but it's maybe not, it's not like a daily devotional kind of. No, it's kind book. of, no. it kind of gives some theological background to, and historical background to the season of Lent. And also, here's how this plays out in your individual life, in your family's life, maybe in your church's life. There's even some resources in there for pastors and ministers too. I mean, we always, always love the storybook bible you cannot go oh, wrong yeah. with the storybook bible get your hands on it yeah take your kids the jesus it. storybook bible from yes. sally lloyd jones sally lloyd jones yeah. it's yeah. the it's the greatest thing for little kids and music and adults music. oh yeah music oh man it's the best time for christian music i am not talking ccm i am talking about it's time to break out the box it's like yeah get into the oh, historic yeah. christian music like yeah. all the beautiful masses that were written most, I mean, like everybody, all the big composers have written mm-hmm. music for this season. Even um, some newer music, uh, no. songs from the Ooh. valley. Sandra no, McCracken. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> uh, it's a good sad, it. Christ-centered mm-hmm. record. Um, Bifrost Arts is always our. Oh favorite yeah, Bifrost thing. has a, a Lamentations album. He will not cry out. Yeah, is the purple one? No, that's the Lamentations one. Okay, the yellow one is really yeah, good. He too. will not cry out. Yep. Um, a lot of songs from the Psalms um, and uh, liturgical folk. They have a album, a Lenten album that I've been listening to. It's new. It's got artists like Josh Garrels and Liz Vice on there. Page CXVI. Page CXVI has, has a Lent, a Lent album. record. Um, uh, we'll we'll play we'll we'll post some links on our show notes to some Spotify playlists. Any Sufjan will... Stevens is nice and just sad. Yeah, puts you in a blue mood. This might be a little self promotion. We're log rolling. But it's okay. You could also listen to the Daily Liturgy podcast, right. which is a podcast that Darby and Mike and I have all kind of helped out with. Um, put out by our church, Cormdale Church in Omaha, and uh, that's just it's going to have scriptures and prayers and confessions um and it follows the church calendar so it's they're going to be you know lenten themed yeah the the scriptures are based off the the lectionary that a lot of churches use to kind of shape their sunday services and because it's tied to the church calendar they'll have lenten themes Mm -hmm. um kind of threaded throughout the whole episode so again it's called the daily liturgy podcast and you can find it where you listen to this 
So we hope this conversation has been helpful for you as you think about how you want to observe Lent this year. We would love to hear from you. If you have thoughts, shoot us an email at theinbetweenpod at gmail.com. Uh, we would also love a follow on Instagram. If you would like to check out our account, we're at theinbetweenpod. You can also write us a review if it's a nice, happy, good review. <laughs> no. Yeah, if people will, people will find out about the podcast. You can also tell your friends about us too. Mm-hmm. We're huge in Canada. Yeah. People Top love 40. us in Canada. <laughs> We're very popular in Canada. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Write us a review. Leave us a little rating. We would appreciate it so much. Um, We're going to close with a quote about Lent. Mike, it's Robert Weber. Bring the... Not just a quote. Bring the magic. It's a prayer prayer. from the Book of Common Prayer. Oh my gosh. Bring the prayer, please. (laughs) Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you have commanded and desire what you promise. That, among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We'll see you soon for some more conversation about Holy Week, followed by some podcasts about Easter. And uh, we wish you well. Thanks for listening.